What's happening, everybody? Nitsan Mosri, the traveling investor, with another week of the traveling investor show. You know, we're born into our families and we're born into our society, and, and we're actually even born into our parents' financial reality. But what most people don't understand is that just because we're born into a specific family or socioeconomic world, it doesn't mean that's where we have to end up. There's a great saying. Being born is not your fault. Being born poor is not your fault. Dying poor is. And a majority of people live life by default. They accept the cards that they were dealt and offer no resistance to mediocrity. You know, Here on the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to live life on your terms and create the life, finances, and relationships that you dream of. So join me, Nitsan Mosri, your host, every week on the live Traveling Investor Show where we demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet so you can be at every softball game, go on every vacation, and spend enough time with your family to where they get sick and tired of you and that you can tell your boss to go kiss your ass. On today's show, I have a guy that I've known for several years. His name is Jorge Abreu, George Abreu, and George is just killing it. You know, on this show, I like to bring people that talk about mindset, that talk about success, that talk about success philosophies, that talk about how to continue to have a healthy lifestyle, because what is it all worth if we're sick at the end of it? And I also bring people on the show that can share about their successes. And let me tell you about, about George. He's been investing in real estate for over about 15 years now, and he started in single-family, small multifamily properties, and eventually working his way up to large 100-plus unit multifamily properties. And before entering into large multifamily acquisitions, George had wholesaled over 200 single-family properties. He's fixed and flipped over 100-plus single-family homes, developed and completed several new development projects, over $20 million dollars in ground up construction. He also started and built a construction company bringing in over 30 million dollars in yearly revenue and growing. He's now an active and passive full-time multifamily real estate investor. And George and his company Elevate currently have 4,443 doors and 375 million dollars under management. I'm going to say that again. 4,443 doors and $375 million of real estate under management. And his assets are located in Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, and South Dakota. George is the CEO of Elevate Commercial Investment Group and JT Construction. JT Construction focuses on helping multifamily investors with their due diligence and full renovations. The strong points are locating deals due diligence, executing CapEx, new development, and raising equity. His goal is to reach 10,000 doors by the end of 2022 by creating strategic partnerships and implementing the proper systems in place for scalability. He's focused on continuing to grow his network and allocate more co-GP partners, passive investors, and also clients for his construction company. And he's always Looking forward to adding value and helping others achieve their goals. George, how are wow. you, my friend? 
That's a good intro, man. I'm going to have you do my <laughs> intro for, for anywhere I'm speaking. <laughs> How's it going, my friend? It's going good, man. It's going good. How are you and uh, Master Yoda doing there? Yeah, yeah. Well, Master Yoda, you know, we're doing great. We're doing great. And, and you know, you're you're kind of the epitome of his saying, do or do not, there is no try. You're, you're going out there and you're just doing it. You're, you're kicking ass, and I see it because I see you on social media. So first of all, kudos to you for having an awesome social media presence today. That is super important. And also, you know, for, for having the systems and processes in place to really scale your business and your company and to take it to places where, you know, thousands of other owner-operators just dream of having that type of organization, man. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. You're, um, man, you're one of the ones that, uh, was there when I started down this path. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and you just, you just flew right by man. And, and it's fantastic. So, you know, share with us who was George before real estate, before real estate. Um, I don't know. Can you remember that far back? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can. Um, you know, I was, I was a student in college studying to be a electrical engineer um at some point i knew i didn't want to be an engineer so mm -hmm. before i even graduated um started looking into real estate investing uh well i started looking at successful individuals and it kept, kept kind of coming back to real estate so that's when i started digging into to real estate investing you know how do how do i do this how do i get started um came across ron legrand mm-hmm you know, mm -hmm. the, the master of single family and <laughs> um, he's been around for decades <laughs> uh -huh. um, and, you know, I paid for his coaching and, and um, I've always been someone that looking in these real estate guru um, world, you know, you see a lot of people that, that sign up for coaching and, and all these programs and they don't do anything with it. You know, they mm -hmm. attend the events, they don't do anything. Um, I've always had the mindset that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all out. So, you know, I, I think it was a couple of weeks after we left the first uh, class, we we went ahead and wholesaled the deal and then kind of just kept doing deals, doing deals. Uh, I ended up graduating with my degree and went to work for UPS um, in their engineering department. That lasted for about a year until I was doing enough in real estate that I felt comfortable leaving that. That's then, great. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thought I was nuts. Um, <laughs> my family, <laughs> especially, you know, they, they were saying, how are you going to pay for insurance? It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm making, you know, four to five times as much over here. I, I think I can afford the insurance. Right. And, and, and it's funny. It's always the same kind of people with, with the uh, J-O-B mentality that tell us, are you crazy? Oh my God, how are you going to afford this? How are you going to pay for that? How are you going to do that? Uh, the same way that, that everybody, you know, that, that we've been doing right you just right. keep going and just keep moving forward and one day after the other and just moving so you know so you thought real estate you bought the ron legrand you started doing that um you, you, did you have your construction company before as well no i did not i did not i started with the investing and then um i knew i wanted to scale it and one of the bottlenecks we ran into were contractors you know finding enough good contractors um, I had some experience. I had worked with um, one of my uncles owns a large construction company and um, I had worked with him for a bit and 
the the job I actually took in UPS engineering department, it was more of a GC. I mean, I was the one in charge of um, expanding any warehouses or if we had to replace a roof, um, I was the one managing all that. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I'm just going to start this. And um, that kind of turned into its own monster as well. Um, you know, we I started doing some third party stuff and, and we did a good job. And uh that started growing uh, hand in hand with the with the investing. So, what made you go into uh, multifamily? What was it about multifamily that kind of triggered you and said, "Aha, that's where we want to be." You know, like I mentioned, I, I was my goal was to really scale this. I wanted to build something huge, and um, with single family, I just kept running into to bottlenecks on on how to scale it and how to really do very, very high volume. Um, and I hadn't even paid attention to, to multifamily. Um, I just thought, I thought it was out of my reach. You know, I thought you had to come in with millions of your own money to buy these large apartments. Um, and then somebody explained to me what a syndication was and, you know, that you can actually bring investors together and, and, purchased the property that way. And then that just, that blew my mind. You know, I'm, I'm buying 200, 400 units on, on one shot. Like there's my scale. So yeah, I mean, I slowly, well, I don't even want to say slowly. I got rid of all my single family and I started doing all my focus towards, towards multifamily. That's fantastic. So yeah. tell, um, what was the first deal that you did? First deal syndication wise was a, was a 37 unit. It was a smaller one. Um, you know, I thought maybe I had to go a little smaller for the first one. I was wrong. You know, I, I, I think you can definitely go bigger. Um, the fact that it was only 37 units, it was hard to find good management. Um, I was very hands-on with the day-to-day, which was not, not the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one was a 216-unit one. And huge difference between those two as far as the management aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So what, what did you have to do differently between the 36 and the 200 units? Change my mindset <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Sure. I mean, what, what kind of mindset were you at the 36 and what did you have to change it to? Um, you know, at the 36, it was, okay, I think I've got enough knowledge to do this. I think uh, I know how to do the underwriting. I, I know I know how to find good deals. You know, I've been doing that for, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was ready to do it, but my mind just wasn't ready for the larger numbers. So between those two, I kind of just, you know, I had been through the process. I had also began invest passively in other indicator deals and larger ones so i could see how that was kind of ran um and i was just ready i was just ready at that point um i started building the 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 social media platform that you're talking about so i felt like um, i could raise more equity at that point as well Mm -hmm. that's great and all right so change your mindset so it's all about mindset right it's kind of the same the same thing the same product but the mindset has to be different right mm-hmm. yeah the um, same process i mean really it's it's bigger numbers but overall the same same process right right it's the same process the same everything but it's the, the only difference is the mindset and how about the um okay so where did you now 
come up with all of the capital to buy these bigger properties? I mean, we've done all kinds of different structures and partnerships. Um, you know, we've got private equity in, in some of our, our larger deals. We've got um, just regular common, common equity from, you know, high net worth individuals um, and also co-GPs. So sometimes we'll bring in other GPs that, that can help with different aspects, you know, maybe uh, boots on the ground and they can also bring some equity. Um, so this year we've spent a lot of time building out that, you know, getting some good partners that we know can, can raise a certain amount of equity per, per deal. And, um, that's definitely been helpful. Now, how do you compete? I know we once, uh, we, we talked about this, uh, a few weeks ago, I think when, when we were on a phone call together to, in today's market, everybody's putting hard money. Right now, for those listening in that don't know what hard money is, hard money is, is your earnest money deposit becoming non-refundable immediately, right? Uh, and a lot of the big REITs and the funds and the the rocks and the pebbles and the stones and all these different groups are coming in non-refundable with earnest money uh, deposit non-refundable day one. So, how do you compete with that? You know. Um... We were getting away with with going off market and even some instances straight to the seller and not having to do that in the beginning mm -hmm. you know the first couple of years um <laughs> of doing this um this year it's it's been pretty much impossible um you know everybody's expecting that um so we've had to make sure that one we've got the the liquidity for it and then we've mm -hmm. also if need be you know we can bring in some other partners that have more liquidity um to feel comfortable doing that because i mean you know some of our deals we're, we're putting a million day one hard um that's a lot of money right you don't want to lose a million dollars that's a lot so, of money yeah we we lean <laughs> a lot on our on our process and just we no longer assume things like when, when you don't have money hard day one you you can assume some things and and you have um that cushion those days mm -hmm. to to make sure okay were my assumptions correct right now i mean we we've got every number down to the t you know we we've got our insurance quotes we've got our our tax consultants have looked at the property tax and and given us what they think um definitely try to get an early access if possible but that's not always you're not always able to do that um so when we do our property tours we've got our construction team you know our in-house construction team is there with us we we're looking at everything that they possibly allow us to look at um and yeah i mean we we feel confident in the numbers that we're putting down so that that allows us to feel comfortable putting putting that money Mm -hmm. so what you're saying is that during before the call to offers you're doing a lot of the a lot of the homework up front yes you're pretty much knowing exactly what you're going into um even kind of before you submit your loi absolutely yeah right you know your renovation numbers you know how much you're going to increase the rents you've done your homework on the comps you've done your homework on the sales uh, uh you you've interviewed property management companies yep so it's you're basically 
going in as if you've already won the contract and you're in your due diligence phase and you're running your 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 due diligence minus obviously probably doing the lease audits and and things of that nature but everything else around that inspection you've done already correct and i mean obviously you can't do that at a very high volume you know you can't do that for every property that's listed so at the same time we've been focusing on on our relationships the the deals that we know the broker and and they can get us in there and um or we also have co-gps that are bringing us deals right and they mm -hmm. they maybe have already locked it up with the loi so um we're not wasting a lot of time i guess that's right. what i'm saying yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right um obviously to to be able to do multiple deals and to have so many investors in your database and and to keep in touch what kind of systems have you put in place and how did you figure out which systems you needed um you know i think the crm part of it was was big um so we at first we had a, a crm and then we had a email marketing and there were two separate softwares um i think once we realized we can combine those two, that, that was very helpful. So we use Active Campaign mm -hmm. that does both of those. Um, we've automated a lot of our leads. So as they come in from different um, sources, you know, they all get funneled into Active Campaign, and that's using a mixture of um, being able to sync Active Campaign with some of the other softwares, or also using Zapier to kind of bridge that middle um so to me you know every the more things you can automate obviously the better you know mm -hmm. there's only so much so much time and and you've got to be efficient with it so um that was a huge focus for me last year so mm -hmm. with covid you know last year was a little slower we were we had a lot of um uh, momentum going into last year and then uh we closed two deals before covid hit and then we had one under contract right when covid hit and i think after that we were we were able to sneak one in before the end of the year um but what i did with all that time that i was hoping to be spending acquiring and implementing <laughs> um business plans um I built out these functions and, and these systems. Um, I spent a lot of time on that. So that's what allowed us to really take off this year. And so when you said, you know, automating your leads that come in, these are leads for investors, people who are looking to invest passively, or are these leads for sellers that you were um, out there searching for, or both? Um, mainly the investors. Mm-hmm. And now I'm also beginning to, um, I'm getting a lot of other investors um, bringing me deals. So I'm working on that right now, you know, automating that a little bit better and, and um, making sure I'm not wasting time looking at stuff that just doesn't make sense. And also, um, you know, that it, that it fits our criteria. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I'm, I'm focusing on. The... The, the whole going straight to seller um, 
we were doing that in the beginning and, and we had luck, you know, our first two deals. So the two that I talked about, the 37 units and the, the 216, that was straight to the, the actual owner. Um, it's something I may revisit. I just, we, we, we've been getting so many leads from the brokers and also from these co-GPs that I just haven't gone, gone back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, you know, before uh, we, we came on the show, we were talking about, you know, as you have this um, huge exponential growth that's happening, what what is what are some of the factors that are responsible for that exponential growth? You know, um, I think it's a lot of the work I was doing years before, kind of just finally starting to see the results. Um, you know, I, I really started putting myself out there on social media, on um, speaking at, at events, uh, attending all, all types of networking events. Um, and it was a grind, you know, and, and, and the results weren't instant, but um, it all kind of just came together. Probably last year it started to, and like I said, COVID made that a little difficult, but then this year um, it all came together. That's great. So, so you would say systems are probably the one of the the one thing that helped with your exponential growth, systems and networking. Yes, you can. Right. And putting myself out there too, I think, is is one of them. When you say which, putting which yourself may out be, there, you which may be which may be networking in social media, you you mean by correct, correct. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, and and it's a I guess. For you, it may not be that difficult. I can, you know, um, <laughs> um, for me, I'm, 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 uh, I'm very to myself. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I love working and I love just kind of like getting into it, but, um, I've never been someone to speak in front of a, you know, a room of a thousand people. That's, that's, wasn't me. Um, so when I say put myself out there, I mean, it was definitely a lot of effort for me to kind of break out of my shell and, and just go for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, believe it or not, I'm very much like, I'm a very introvert person. I'm not a, I do not, not a see person, that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we, we have to force ourselves to, to do, to, to get uncomfortable. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's, you know, and, and one of the, one of the things for me that is super uncomfortable is to go to an event, to go to a conference by myself with nobody else. And because, you know, then you're there by yourself. So you ha yep. I have to force myself yep. to go and engage with people and, and not just hang around with the people that I know, but force myself to meet new people. Yeah, that's and so true. I mean, I used to go with my business partner all the time in the beginning. And then, um, yeah, like, I think it was probably last year. Well, no, there were no events last year. So yeah, this year I just, <laughs> I just went for, you know, whether, my partner's coming or not, cool, but I'm I'm going, you know. Right. Right. I used to do the same thing. Laura and I, we used to go, you know, call, hey, I'm going to this event. You're coming? Yeah. Okay. And and at least it was like your wing person, right? Mm -hmm. is, is there and you feel a little bit more comfortable. But I, I said, you know, I, I have to go out there and I have to do this on my own. And I love the phrase, right? It's it's a little phrase, and all the letters in it are two words. And it goes, if it is to be, it is up to me. I like it. Right. And um, I can't count on anyone else to go to these events with me. I can't count on anybody to go network for me. You know, I even, I used to send my wife and her sister out to network for me 
to go and, and meet business people and doctors. I mean, who the hell yeah, wants to talk idea, to me? But... <laughs> you, know, you and I, we're lucky. We have beautiful wives, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, go, go, go talk to some doctors. Go bring back some business cards. Yep. yep. I used to take my wife all the time until we had all the little ones. Yeah. So I feel you. Um, yeah, I like uh, one that sits with me is, is from Tony Robbins is, um, you know, if you tell yourself you can't, then that means you No, What is it? If you tell yourself you can't, you must. Yeah. If you tell yourself you can't, you must. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if it is to be, it will be. Yep. If it is. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, all right. So let's see. Uh, we're getting here uh, some comments here. Great info. Mike Reed. Uh, if it is to be, it will be me. And then we have Lonnie Boulay says it is very uncomfortable being new to the circles and not knowing anyone. That's true, Lonnie. You know, and for example, I was at the Rod Khalif's uh, event this past weekend. And mm-hmm. that was a completely new circle for me. And I went there on my own. I met Lonnie over there. Uh, I met Michael at another event that I was speaking at that I was the only, you know, I didn't go with anybody else. So, you know, going out there, um, you have to put yourself out there, right, on social media as well, you know, and and, and you just got to do it. What are some tactics, not tactics, but, you know, there, <laughs> there, there, are, there, there, there are people listening in that are getting started in multifamily, right, that you know, for example, I met a lot of people at Rod's event. I met a lot of people at Jake and Gino's event. They're getting started. They want to know how. What are some of your top three, five things that they should do so that people can reach your level of success? You know, because you're 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 at a pinnacle. You're you're uh, you're light years ahead of where people are. You've got your systems in place. You've got everything, and you've really taken off, and it's phenomenal. I'm super excited for you. You know, it's it's Thank awesome you. to watch the success. And, you know, I always say, find somebody who has what you want, do what they did, and you'll get what they got. So travelers, anybody listening, anybody watching this, if you want success in multifamily, this is the guy to watch. Watch what he's doing. Watch what who he's talking to, who he's networking with, what he's doing on social media, how he's putting his offers together. Watch what he's doing and do what he's doing, and you'll get his success. I want to leave that up to you now. Okay, so... Let me think this one through one. I would say um, kind of what you just said, you know, if you can find somebody, if you just start now, if you find value that you can bring to somebody that's doing what you want to be doing, um, then do it. You know, if you, if you think you can raise a million or I don't know, maybe even 500 K on a, on a smaller deal and you can bring that value to, to a deal sponsor, um, then do it and then learn from them. Um, you know, we can always use more help. You know, if, if you're coming in and you're coming into the deal and also offering, you know, how else can I help? Yeah, I'm going to bring this equity, but I also want to help with the asset management. I also want to help with this and that. Um, I think you can learn quickly that way. Um, on the networking side of it, one little trick or suggestion is if you're going to attend an event, usually there's some type of networking you can do beforehand, whether it's on, let's say their Facebook group page, or they've got some type of um, software where you can network, spend the time, spend a couple days going out there and reaching out to people and, and set up meetings so that you're not kind of just standing around and, and having to, to force yourself to, 
interact to, to groups of people that you don't know. At least this way you you get some meetings set up ahead of time and and you um, can also pinpoint who you want to meet. I think is very important. Um, you know, the point of networking isn't to just go around handing handing your business card out. Um, you got to actually make connections and and you know build that relationship. I know Nitsan and myself like we we've gone out to dinner before. We've um, you know really made connections at at these events. Um, so the third one, hmm, I think the third one is, is, and I always say this is, is focus. So don't, especially now, man, there's so many things happening the, the, the we're at a pinnacle right now, you know, with the crypto and then you've <laughs> got a virtual space and virtual real estate. You've got, um, you know, um, all this stuff and then even within real estate you've got so many different um real estate classes um hotels mobile homes um all this different stuff i'm not saying you can't do more than one but at least focus on one for a bit um conquer that and then then you can start diversifying absolutely absolutely i agree 100 percent. focus there's so many shiny pennies out there you know, especially in real estate, right? Like you said, you got mobile home, you got mobile home, then you've got uh, RV parks, then you've got self-storage, then you've got medical, then you've got warehouse, then you've got multi on and on, yeah. You got tax liens, tax deeds, tax auctions, <laughs> then you've got land, you got foreclosures, you got, I mean, you know, for an industry, we have so many sub niches in it. And, you know, and, and, you know, in the beginning, when I when I first moved to Florida in 2009 from Israel, and I was getting back into the real estate world, I was I was following the shiny pennies to see what first of all, I wanted to learn all the different things that there were out there, you know, and but then I also wanted to learn and see what would give me the best return on investment of my time. Right. Yep. And like you, multifamily was was the way to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I'm. Like there may be another one out there that that's better, maybe not, but I picked multifamily and, and I'm going to grow it. I'm going to grow it big. Mm -hmm. And with doing that, I have other goals that I can, you know, once I've got 30,000 units, 20,000 units, there's other things that I can build on to that, that business. Um, I'm not saying I'm not going to get into, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get into storage at some point. I'm pretty sure, mm -hmm. but my bread and butter is most likely always going to be multifamily. Right. Right. I agree on that as well. Yeah. The, the core business, the core income. Core producer, business. Yes. That's right. a good, I like the that. Core business is multifamily, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I have a hotel, I have a glamping resort. I have, you know, a couple of uh, short term rentals as well, but the main, the main business, the core business is multifamily. And that's what we, that's what we know. And that's what we're experts on. So what do you think of what, what, what's going on in the marketplace? How long do you think this uh, ridiculous <laughs> compression of cap rates is going to last? Oh man, you're giving me that question, huh? Um, Listen, I get, I get, I get that. I, I get asked that all the time. As well. look, no, for, I mean, it's a great question. It's, it's a crazy um, real estate cycle that we're in. Right. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think, uh, I haven't seen anything like it. You know, I've been through the, the, I was in real estate before the crash. Um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I don't think we're 
going that route. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to have a massive, massive um, pushback. Um, the market's got to get soft at some point. Obviously, like you know, the growth we're having is is not sustainable. It's not um, income is not growing at the same rate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's impossible, right? Um, I do think there's a lot of positives for multifamily i mean you know the fact that that the home prices are getting so high is stopping people from being able to purchase homes so now they're now they're renters and um so now that makes sense that the rent growth is going up um and depending on you know area specific there's certain locations that are exploding like i know dallas where i'm at like it's you know, exploding at the seams, like mm-hmm. <laughs> all mm-hmm. these, these small cities outside of, um, Dallas, Fort Worth are just massive growth. And it's, it's real growth. Like you've got the population growing, you've got employers right. come in. Um, so that stuff is definitely sustainable. Um, I think a lot of it is going to rely on, on, on interest rates. I think the, the very, very attractive, terms that you can get right now on, on loans is what makes some of these deals work. Um, if that's not there, then, you know, I think it changes for sure. Right. So, so let's, let, let's talk about that, you know, yeah. um, someone like yourself who's going out there and you're buying and you're buying and you're buying and you're buying with these, with, I'm selling you know, too, but yeah, right? you're selling too. <laughs> I, hey, it's a seller's market, right? I'm selling yeah. also, right? I'm I'm getting rid of a lot of my stuff, getting poised to you know buy some some more stuff. But let me ask you: so when you're buying, how are you how are you protecting the property and your investors from the softening of the of the uh, of the market when we're basing our strategies on continuation of rent growth, right? Of the inflation. And, and what does happen when interest rates start going up and cap rates start going up? So me personally and, and my company, you know, what we target is something with a, with a value add, a true value add piece that we know we can come in and generate that extra income. Um, and what I mean by that is we're not banking on the appreciation. We're not, you know, the, the, the basis that we're coming in on a lot of these deals feels like it still has growth. Um, you know, I have, for instance, I have issues with, with Phoenix. I, Mm -hmm. I know it's a super hot market. It's been a super hot market. I know investors that are making a killing, but when you're paying double what I'm paying per door for an apartment, and you're getting the same rent. I just, I don't get it. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. banking on appreciation. And if the market really gets soft and, and that's not there, then, then what, you know, then I think you're, you're in trouble. Um, cause it's uh, essentially, it's not cash flowing. I mean, you're, right. you're, so we, we focus on, on properties that are cash flowing or we see the, the easy path to get them to, to cash flow. Um, and even if that, if the market softens, we feel like we have enough room with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And and are your hold times now? Are you extending your hold times, or still around the three to five, five seven? It we we did a couple um, long term holds, um, some some ten years. We went in with uh, HUD, and um, that was end of last year. That was two deals. We haven't done another one with with that. Um, well, I, I take it back. We have done a couple, a couple more like that. Um, so I'm not saying every deal, but but me personally, I would love to hold on to all the deals long term. <laughs> you know, that's so I try to figure out a way to structure it where where it, it can get there. Um, not necessarily every single deal, but um, uh, so yeah, I'm thinking, and even if. It is a three to five year hold is what we're saying. I've, I've always got, um, I'm structuring the financing or I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what if we've got to hold it longer? What kind of financing are you putting on the deals? I know um, the Freddie Floater has become a very popular product now because of its low interest rate short-term uh, capability and a very low prepayment penalty of 1%. And you can get out of it in six months, three years, plus two one-year extensions, right? Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, a big thing happened this year, right? Uh, everybody had gone into these agency loans with these large prepays, and a lot of them were not able to sell their properties. that had this massive um, gain in the equity uh, because of that. So I think the the Freddie floater definitely became popular at that point. Um, we we've got a couple of those, and then we do have some some bridge loans. Um, on the bridge loans, we've been very aggressive on how we negotiate those and and the extensions we get in there. Um, I don't think we have one less. I don't think we have any that we can't extend till five years. Um, and we're getting um, rate caps on on all of them. So if the rates do go up, you know we're we're safe on there. Um, really haven't done. I think we did a straight agency on on one. No, that was a Freddie floater. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> we have not done any of those this year. Right. So how do you keep? Um, how do you keep? Uh, track of all your investors and all your different deals. Um, what kind of I've software to, do you use? Okay, okay. Software-wise, um, Syndication Pro we use for for raising the equity, um, and we pretty much use all the functions. You know, we do our distributions from there. We we try to keep everything. We do our updates from the system um, to our investors. Um, so it's all in one one location. Mm -hmm. Then um, I also have a team to keep track of all this. I mean, it's it's um, How many earlier this. Do you have on your team? So we just brought someone else on. Um, do you pay them a salary? Or do you give them a piece of the uh, equity of the deals? Both. Um, mm -hmm. We've tested different structures, and um, we've got a mixture. We're heading more towards the, the salary and maybe some type of bonus and um, 
they're with with us for a while, then maybe some some equity into the deals. And and you know, in the beginning, it's always when you're starting out the overhead, right? Nobody wants to have huge overhead, especially mm -hmm. in in this business. If you're a deal sponsor and a syndicator, um, it takes a bit to actually start making some cash flow and um, especially depending on how you structure your deals. Um, mm -hmm. So now that, that we've got a, a decent amount of cash flow coming in, we're, we're kind of leaning more towards the salary and, and not so much just giving away equity. Right. In, in the beginning, it was more equity because yeah, correct. the cash flow wasn't there and whatnot. So you would give equity. And did you did you convert those people that you gave equity to to salary and equity, or do they still remain equity? Um, we have not converted anybody. Mm -hmm. They're either still on that or not with us. But um, <laughs> we did not convert anybody. Um, I think that that'd be a tough. Uh, I mean, maybe not. You could probably figure it out, but um, so with the with the investment company with Elevate, we there's a total of five five of us, and then on my construction company, which you know some of those are are shared between the two. Um, mm -hmm. So construction, I definitely have more a higher payroll. There's about close to twenty of us on the construction company. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, about a total team of. 25 or so right now that's awesome man yeah. and and so you find you, you have people finding you the deals you have brokers sending you deals on market and off market um, do you underwrite the deals yourself do you have other people underwriting them uh other people i mean i have an, an analyst that that works with us full-time um he handles that if it looks good on his end then then he sends it over to myself and my partner um at that point i i begin to dig in but it's easier than starting it from scratch you know and sure. and, and we've <laughs> we've trained them you know what what to put in there and and where to get the numbers and all mm -hmm. that very nice so yeah. they under so let's let's look at the process so you get a deal you send it to your underwriter they underwrite it if mm -hmm. it matches your criteria then they bounce it back to you and then you do you and your partner do the deep dive for the most part yes yeah you do the deep dive and then and then what then you you come to an agreement and say oh, you know what we're going to submit an LOI you submit the LOI correct right your LOI get now do you start talking to your investors at the LOI stage do you reach out to them only when you have a contract um like a Signed LOI? Is that what we're saying? Uh, well, you tell me. How do you? What yeah, do you? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, waste our time with with something that's. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we haven't had many signed LOIs that don't turn to contracts, um, mm -hmm. executed contracts. So I mean, I'm pretty sure we've presented, and this would be a big investor if, if we're going to present it at that point. Like I, I wouldn't go to our 100k, 200k investors until we're ready mm -hmm. to, to actually start raising the equity. Um, but yeah, some of our bigger investors, I, I would definitely share with them the earlier, the better. And, and how do you go about, I mean, all right, let's, I want to, we're going to end in a couple of minutes, but this last question, and I know a lot of 
experienced investors and a lot of newbies are ask, you know, always ask this one question. How do you raise capital? What's the secret sauce? <laughs> What's the secret sauce for raising equity? Um, man, so many different <laughs> ways of doing it. So I don't know if I've got the secret sauce. I, I think there's probably a better, so I'm not, I don't have a niche, right? I think a better way of doing it is possibly having a niche, meaning like, you know, you've got it in with all these type of doctors and, and you're part of some association and, and you're just going to target that. I think that's a really good way of doing it. I took more of the shotgun approach and, and, you know, I'm on, I'm speaking at every event. I'm on everybody's podcast. Um, I'm constantly posting on, on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been my success is doing that and then being able to capture the leads coming in from there and, um, turning it into investors. And then once we have those investors, you know, taking good care of them and then turning those investors into more investors because of their referrals. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you hear that travelers network with people, find your niche. If you don't have a niche, go shotgun approach, but then put them into a CRM system so that you can keep communicating with them then make them your investors. And then I don't know if you heard it. He said it very quickly and treat them well. What do you mean by treat them well? Let's say a property isn't cash flowing right now. There's been a hiccup. You just came out of God knows what. It's not cash flow. How do you still treat your investors well? I think, and I've always said this, even with um, the construction company and and any employee I ever bring to, to any of my companies is, is communication goes such a long way. And I know... Mm -hmm. I know everybody's heard that, but it's, mm -hmm. it's so true. Like, um, if, if you want to, if somebody says you over communicate, you're doing a great job. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you want to really, um, communicate with your investors constantly. I mean, we, we do, um, monthly, sometimes even twice a month, um, updates. Uh, I'm going to start implementing doing videos on site um for our investors like if, if you're going through a bad situation with a property and you've communicated that with the investor step by step they understand what's happened they see what you're doing to make it right um that works at the end of the day if they don't get the projected returns maybe they might not be that happy as if they did obviously but they would appreciate the communication through the process i think and um you know, you'll possibly still keep them as investors. If not, you know, maybe they won't at least talk bad about you and, and, and do all that. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So we got a question here from Lonnie. He says, so just getting started, do you suggest starting to build out a team to vertically integrate from the get-go? So as you grow, you can also grow the system and redefine as needed. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think definitely building it out you know, I, I don't, so I don't want to say this and have people, I, th I think overthinking things is a lot of people get stuck there. And, and I don't want you to think that you've got to overthink 
some of these, but um, I think planning it and, and knowing how you're going to split responsibilities and, and as you grow, you know, have some type of idea of where your first bottlenecks are going to be and, and um, who you're going to have to bring in, but don't go and bring in a team of 10 and then <laughs> try, try doing this. Um, you know, I do think you need to get started on your own or if you've got a partner, however you're doing it, you, you definitely need to start doing it yourself. Um, and then as you grow, if you've got, if you've thought about that system, you can start plugging in as, as you, as you grow. Um, I have, so on the construction company, I, I did, I did not do that. Um, I just, I just grew and it was crazy. And it was, <laughs> you know, um, I had to fill in seats and, and um, it made me do some bad hires and, and keep some people that I shouldn't have kept. And mm -hmm. um, so at, at some point I realized what I did and I kind of <laughs> stepped back a little bit and, and kind of reorganized things. But um, with the investment company, I didn't, I thought about it and I knew what I was going to do, but I didn't bring everybody on first, you know, day one. It's, it's, we're adding pieces, you know, as we grow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. George, thank you so much for being on the show. You dropped a lot of bombs on us, a lot of nuggets. Um, I'm excited to, you know, see what else you've got going on on social media and in, and in multifamily. How can people, uh, how can people find you? Yeah, we've uh, we're constantly updating our website with uh, free content and obviously, you know, any investment offerings. Website is Elevate CIG stands for Commercial Investment Group. So ElevateCIG.com. They can also shoot me an email, which is Jorge or George, you know, spelled Jorge, J-O-R-G-E at ElevateCIG.com. Actually, if they email me and they mention that they saw me on Traveling Investor, um, I'll send them. I've got a list of free content that I can send over. Awesome. Travelers, did you hear that? Mention that you saw George Jorge on the Traveling Investor Show and you're going to get a free gift. It's going to help you elevate to the next level. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, hey, what's the next event you're going to be at? Uh, next one, I believe, is... In Houston, it's um, if they go to my website, <laughs> I have an events tab, <laughs> and I put all the events I'm going to be there. But it's it's February in Houston, Mfin Conference, Multifamily Investor Network Network like Conference. That. Yeah, that's the uh, that's Dan Had uh, Hanford. No, so that's a that's the virtual one, which uh -huh. I I highly suggest. That one's great. Um, mm -hmm. That's in January, but then there's mm -hmm. an in person one in February hosted by um, Ferris and, and Ben, and then also Kenny Wolf. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Well, maybe I'll see you there. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Keep kicking ass and we look forward to seeing you at the top. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, man. So travelers, it's been a great show. Thank you for listening. You'll be able to find this show and many other uh, traveling investor shows on all your favorite podcast stations, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Thank you to our sponsors as well, Cornerstone Investment Partners for Multifamily Acquisitions. And if you ever want to 
have some passive income, check out Cornerstone Investment Partners. If you're looking to buy or sell your property, look for uh, commercial realty partners. And if you need a management company to manage your assets and get you away from your residence and all the toilets and the issues, well, check out jadepmc.com. I'm Nitsan Mosri, the traveling investor, your host, and I look forward to seeing you next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Take care, guys.